In this edition of the Embedded Insiders, Brandon and Rich share their thoughts on the upcoming Embedded World Trade Show in Nuremberg, Germany, focusing on all the companies that have pulled out due to the concerns over the coronavirus. After, the Embedded Insiders are joined by Steve Hanna, Senior Principal at Infineon Technologies and Chair at the Trusted Computing Group. The three discuss security concerns that continue to plague connected devices, particularly where over-the-air updates are concerned. Steve then explains guidelines recently released by TCG and offers tips that could help IoT device designers secure their systems. Hello and welcome to the Embedded Insiders. I'm Brandon Lewis, Editor-in-Chief of Embedded Computing Design, and I'm joined by... Rich Nass, Chief Cook and Bottle Washer at Embedded Computing Design. <laughs> oh, um, how the tables have turned. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially this week with all the stuff that's going on as we prepare for Embedded World. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, my wife keeps coming in and saying, how's it going? And it's just another day, same old you-know-what, and just more cancellations at Embedded World. Yeah, it feels like we're on a lazy Susan right now. They keep turning and turning and turning. Um, but, you know, obviously, um, unless you've been under a rock, you know that Mobile World Congress, Congress was canceled by uh, over fears of the coronavirus and then Embedded World uh, is, has not been canceled. The show must go on, and it will go on, but there have been a lot of uh, high-profile pullouts from that show as well. What do you Actually, make of that? It's seems like it's all the high-profile guys, and that's, you know, it started with ST, and it just became a domino, and, you know, it sort of seems like anybody who's over X dollars is gone, anybody who's under X dollars is still there. Yeah. Well, you know, my theory on this, um, before we start broaching sensitive subjects, or maybe we won't, um, is that, you know, ST uh, made the move, um, and then shortly thereafter, microchips pulled out. And ST, when they pulled out, they pulled out of both Mobile World Congress and Embedded World simultaneously. And it sort of started that, oh, well, you know, all the guys in the same sandbox, all these silicon guys started seeing their uh, counterparts uh, pulling out of the show and decided, well, you know, just for our brand integrity, um, I think mostly our brand integrity, and then partially to be corporately responsible, um, we should pull out too. And uh, so most of the major semiconductors are now not going to be exhibiting at Embedded World. Um, and then a couple of distributors, too, which was uh, which is surprising. Yep. So uh, there's a take that somebody explained to me that I thought was pretty interesting. I, I disagree with, but I want to hear what you have to say about it. Um, what do you think of the fact that a lot of these guys are pulling out and they're going to realize that it didn't affect their business whatsoever after and they're you know, they're spending the money this year anyway because everything was booked. But but say they just decided nine months ago not to go, saved, let's say, five million bucks and didn't have any presence at the show and it didn't affect their business at all. Is that a reason to not come back next year? Well, I mean, if that's actually what happened, then, yeah, it would be a reason not to come back next year. Um if, but you also have to make, take a long, a long view of these things. You don't, you know, you don't miss one year, and then you, NXPs of the world and you know, microchips are not designing. You know, they're, they're, a lot of the stuff they're designing into are, are long life cycle, um, you know, high volume 
sorts of systems. So it's you know one year to the next, you may not see a big deal, but or, or a big uh, drop off. But if you aren't at the show where you know somebody from GM is trying to you know find a microchip microcontroller vendor uh, for every electronic control unit in their cars in their new fleet of cars, and you're not there that one year, um, that could really sting. Yeah, as I said when I started the discussion, I disagree with it. And I think that um, you really do need to be at this show more than any other. Um, this is the show for our space. And, and I think that if, if you're not there and all your competitors are there, I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing if everybody pulls out. But if just one guy pulls out or if, if just one guy stays in, I think it's, it will really make a big difference. Yeah, you know, like I brought up earlier, you, um, this may be insensitive, but I'm just going to go out there and say it's fortune favors the bold. Um, you know, I think that it's a little... This fortune little favors of, the guy with the mask? <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. Um, I think it's a little bit of, you know, hysteria here. And I, I really do hope um, that um, our friends over uh, you who are coming in from Asia don't experience any negative um, consequences because of people's uh, perceptions. But, uh, you know, the chances of, of people contracting the coronavirus in, in Nuremberg are about, uh, you know, are probably far, 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 far less than them getting hit by a, you know, a garbage truck going in reverse while they're eating an ice cream cone, um, you know, walking across their front lawn. Uh, so that's the guy who goes out for ice cream every night, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, just watch out if the, if the garbage trucks going in reverse, but you know, you, you, you do have to understand it from, you know, a major company standpoint, you know, the, the bad press that would come with, you know, somebody like an Intel or somebody like an arm or somebody you know, like any of the other vendors that we've mentioned already being a headliner at a show where somebody contracted or um, distributed uh, the coronavirus, you know, n nobody's going to say, you know, well, Joe's Electronics Garage was not responsible uh, by going to this show. They're going to say these Fortune 500 or Fortune 50 companies were irresponsible by going to this show knowing the climate of things. Um, so I think that had a lot to do with it. And then I think you're exactly right. What started happening, especially here as we get into the short strokes before the show, is that, you know, okay, well, am I the only semiconductor guy left left in this in this dance? You know, if, if everybody else is, is gone, if all the competition that I'm trying to sell against is gone, do I really need to worry about, about it this year? Because that happens a lot of trade shows, too. You know, the, one of the fears is, well, if we're not there, everybody's going to notice that we're not there. Uh, but if yep. nobody's there, then <laughs> maybe you can get away with it. So it also has to do with company morale. You're sending me where? You know, you know, every every other company has said this isn't safe. How could you send me? It, it and that's really really funny because if you look at a bunch of the uh, releases that have crossed the wire, the verbiage in all of them is almost exactly the same. Like it, it looks like they they may have so some companies may have cut and pasted um, you know the same type of language you know out of each other's press releases. So you know. Yet the legal departments are still charging tons of money to write those things. Yes. Well, you know, it, if it's bulletproof once, I'm sure it's bulletproof more than once. <laughs> Very good. Well, we will be there. So hopefully. Uh, we won't be bowling down the aisles, as they say. Yes. Um, yeah, I guess there's another thing. is There's 
maybe uh, <laughs> taking the complete opposite view, maybe there's there's a thin line between brave and stupid. I guess, but and <laughs> just to be clear to our, our audience, um, we are sensitive to it, and we are not forcing anybody. We made it very clear that if you have any fears whatsoever, um, you should stay behind. Mm -hmm. I didn't tell anybody that, but... I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, used to be, you used to be the sensitive guy, Brandon. What happened? I uh, got to crack the lip sometimes. <laughs> uh, but uh, also, if you uh, were interested in seeing us or you have a meeting with us and you, or you just want to check out what we're doing, uh, we were originally located in Hall 5, but Hall 5 um, trans or Embedded World transitioned us to hall number one. So we will be in the first hall if you're taking the train in um, or coming in that main entrance. Uh, you should see us uh, almost as soon as you get in. We got transitioned. Is that Trans the PC thing to say? That they didn't shut the hall, they transitioned us. Well, I didn't, you know, I was just, it was always, always think about, about the optics. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do optics in New Jersey. <laughs> well, you're in Florida now, so. This is true, but anyway, okay. Alrighty. Now, the Embedded Insiders are joined by Steve Hanna, Senior Principal at Infineon Technologies and Chair at the Trusted Computing Group. So all that said, Brandon, uh, one of the things that this always seems to roll back to is that these systems have to be secure. And it seems like no matter what we do, that is still a problem. It's Maybe, maybe problem is the wrong word, but it's not easy. It's not easy enough, and it's just not happening all the time. Uh, any thoughts there? Well, you know, it's uh, definitely an arms race, and um, in order for us to sort of address it a little bit, bit better, it's probably worth inviting somebody on who is steeped in the uh, ins and outs of securing embedded and IoT devices. What do you think? Well, I think there's nobody better steeped than Steve Hanna, who is a senior principal for Infineon, and um, he is, he's also a co-chair of the Embedded Systems Working Group in the Trusted Computing Group. Are you out there, Steve? I am. Hi, guys. Thanks for Hello. having me on the show. Our pleasure. Sure. I'll speak for both of us. Our pleasure. Um, we, we talk about this a lot, Steve, about you know, the issues with um, these embedded systems are, are, are just not being secured to the level that they need to be. Um, anything going on there that might make this easier, better? Yes, actually. So in our embedded systems work group in TCG, we've been working for the last few years on this topic, of course, how to make these embedded systems more secure and we've come out with some documents in the past on it. And one of the areas that we've really decided needs more focus, because it is somewhat complicated, as you said, Brandon, is secure update of the software and the firmware on these embedded systems. You know, uh, on our PCs, we've got Windows Update. On our phones, we've got another, uh, you know, set of software to handle that. But on our embedded systems, there's nobody who's going to do it for you. And it's so easy to make a mistake in the update mechanism for your software on an embedded system. Next thing you know, malware getting installed, and uh, it's so hard to get it off there. So, Steve, when you, when you talk about uh, you, you just 
had a nice little um, comparison between you know updating your personal device, your iPhone, your laptop, and then updating an embedded system. You know, one of the big things is you know, once several things can happen during this process. You know, maybe the update doesn't complete, or maybe you don't fall back correctly, and then um, vulnerabilities are exposed. Um, what is your experience with you know once those holes are opened up in these in these um, in these over-the-air updates? Um, you know. What does a hacker or malware or you know any potential bad actor have access to? Well, if they can get their malware running on your system, there are a couple of things that they can do. Uh, they can use that system as a bot. This is very popular. We saw it with Mirai. We've seen it with any number of other botnets recently. And uh, basically what they're doing is enrolling, enslaving, if you will, your embedded system into their nefarious network. Um, and that network might be used for any number of things, hosting child porn or stolen credit card numbers, mounting distributed denial of service attacks where they get a bunch, an army of botnets to gang up on Citibank or some other uh, website and try to take it down. Um, and uh, so, you don't want that to happen. Uh, and even more troublesome, they can subvert the proper functioning of your embedded system. So say you've got an embedded system, uh, you know, God forbid it's a part of a car or an industrial system. Uh, if they can disable it at the wrong time or cause it to malfunction, uh, there can be a real safety issue there as well. So for all those reasons, you don't want your embedded system uh, to get hacked. I think when I was working, you know, developing these embedded systems, uh, the thing that kept me up at night was all those things and more, what if all our devices out on the field do get infected? How are we going to take care of patching them? How are we going to get take care of cleaning them and remediating them and getting them back into a good, healthy state? Uh, that is definitely a nightmare from any manufacturer's standpoint. Well, Something isn't that I a chicken and the egg? <laughs> Sorry, real quick, Rich. Isn't that sort of a chicken and the egg problem, a catch-22? Because you want the firmware over-the-air update capability so you can quickly, you know, remediate some of those problems out in the field. But at the same time, we're talking about the vulnerabilities of that exact functionality, right? Exactly. You're, you know, sort of a, uh, you're stuck if you do it, and you're stuck if you don't do it. If you don't include a firmware update capability and a software update capability, there's no way to patch a vulnerability out in the field. But you're stuck if you do it and you don't get it right, the bad guys are just going to use that update capability against you to install their own malware into the device. So the answer is, the tr answer to that riddle, do it, but do it right. Make sure that you do your software firmware update securely. And that's what the document's all about. So the part I didn't understand, Steve, was if your system is secure, what's the difference if it's one hacker coming in or 100 hackers coming in or 1,000 hackers coming in? <laughs> well, nothing is ever completely secure. That's the problem. You know, nobody has, we, we're all human, and as they say, to err is human. So any system built by a person can be cracked or hacked by some other person. 
they can find a vulnerability in there and find a way in. And that's true whether we're talking about a phone or a PC or, you know, an IoT device. Anything has its vulnerabilities. Those vulnerabilities will be discovered over time. And that's when you get one of those, oh, my goodness, moments, and you have to rush to get an update out there to patch your systems before somebody can exploit that vulnerability and take advantage of it to hack those systems. So if, you know, if, I, what, if I understand this correctly, if, if, there's, if there's one hacker, for example, there's a 1% chance of him getting in, but if there's 50 hackers, there's a 50% chance of them getting in? I mean, I, I know I'm really dumbing this down, but is that sort of where you're going? It's just a matter of time. Let's say one guy finds the vulnerability and is, oh, this is so awesome. Well, the next thing you know, he's telling a friend or selling the code to a friend. There's a whole underground uh, economy in there. So it's not so much that uh, 50 hackers being able to break in is worse than one, because that's certainly true. It's that if you get one, the next thing you know, you've got 50, then 500, then 50,000, you know, all able to break into your system. What's an esoteric attack today is uh, commonplace tomorrow or at least a year from now. You know, Steve, one of the one of the things that you've recurred, you've said multiple times throughout the uh, the session here is, okay, well, you know, you have your laptop or your um, smartphone or whatever, and they have software update mechanisms on them. And yeah, we know that those aren't completely um, impenetrable, or um, you know, or they're, they don't—they're not immune from um, infection themselves. But for an IoT or an embedded device, what's the answer? Maybe you can give us some some tips here. You know, is it just mean? Oh, well, you know, you got to have more compute power, more uh, network throughput, and uh, more memory. Uh, so that you can support that type of program, or is 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 it still you know a different ball game for these this class of devices? Well, uh, this is where we get into the details of it. So, uh, one of the differences between an embedded system and a uh, typical IT system is, as you know, the amount of storage that you have, and it's not unusual for these systems to have very limited storage, perhaps just enough to uh, hold a single image of the software or formula that's going to be loaded on it. In that case, you need to have some sort of a uh, an update engine which can install the new image uh, overriding the old one so that you don't need to have two copies of your firmware or software image stored locally. Um, and that that engine, that update engine, has to be able to recover from the case where there's a glitch, say a power glitch, and the power cuts out in the middle of a firmware update. How are you going to recover from that? Well, you have to be able to recognize, oh, you know, we got halfway in doing the update. Now we've got a corrupted image. Okay, we're going to go out. We're going to get our last known good image, you know, a, uh, a recovery image, um, and we're going to download uh, the latest firmware and install that. Uh, so there are all these edge cases that you have to consider, but it's a, a common circumstance where you don't have enough memory to hold two full images uh, on an embedded system, and that's where having an update engine 
uh, or as we sometimes call it, the first update engine that's responsible for uh, handling recovery um, and uh, uh, that steps in and, and uh, takes over in case you have a corrupted uh, firmware image. That's good stuff. Um, I think one, one last note, uh, you're going to be at the IoT Device Security Conference uh, next month. Isn't that right, Steve? That's right. Can't wait for it. And, and one of the sessions that, that you're running um, deals with industry standards. Uh, I, I believe it's I, IEC 62334. And it's, it's just sort of like these standards exist. Are, are people just not using them uh, when they're de- developing secure or trying to develop secure devices or, I guess, developing connected devices? Or, or you know, where's the disconnect? You know, I'd say we're in early days with respect to embedded system security. We do have standards out there. IEC 62443 is one of the best, I would say. Um, And there are some people who are using them um, and implementing against them and even getting their product certified against them at various security levels because there are multiple security levels there. But the thing is, it's only a few who have gotten to that point. And it's not surprising if we think back to the early days of PC security, it was years, I mean decades, before we got to a level of maturity where we could say, okay, we understand this. Um, this is uh, supported in the operating system in a sophisticated manner. I think it's going to take years, perhaps decades, before it will be built into your real-time operating system. It will be built into your embedded OS, and even if you're doing bare metal, you'll be able to take advantage of some open source um, and it'll become common practice. Uh, not to say we don't have it, you know, in an OS like uh, Linux or some of the RTOSs. Uh, there is some support in there, um, but uh, still early days, it's a little spotty. Not all of them support the trusted platform module, the hardware security module. Not all of them have this uh, recovery mode. Uh, in case of a corrupted firmware image. So um, so we're getting there, but uh, <laughs> uh, give us time. We'll, we'll get all the way. And to those who've decided to uh, put the resources in to be among the early adopters, kudos to you. Um, and uh, thank goodness we're starting to get some customer recognition of the value of having good security. That's what will drive the masses, um, all the rest, to uh, adopt good, strong uh, hardware security and security in general for embedded systems. Very good. Just to reiterate, that conference that Brandon mentioned is the IoT Device Security Conference on March 26th uh, in Santa Clara, California. I'll see you there. Yep, you sure will. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate your time. Anytime. Take care. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Embedded Insiders. For daily industry news, videos, and podcasts, visit our website, embeddedcomputing.com.